Good morning, gorgeous. How are you ladies doing this morning? I hope you're all doing wonderful. If this is your very first time listening in, my name is Dr. Michelle and you're listening to A Feminine Impression. I'm here today to do a Q&A video and just answer some questions that you ladies submitted. But before that, for all of my new listeners, I wanted to give you a little bit of background information about me. My name is Dr. Michelle and I work as an educational psychologist and I'm also a content creator on YouTube. So I do videos on lifestyle, beauty, feminine education, wellness, personal development, and much more. I've now worked as a psychologist for seven years and I absolutely love my job. However, I am trying to branch out in other ways to find other ways to help women all over the world. So I'm very excited. Now, as far as my YouTube channel goes, I've had a channel for 10 years and that channel has varied in terms of the content that I produced, but YouTube is a passion for me. I love helping women in various ways. Initially, I really wanted to do something that was opposite of what I was doing at work because my job is so cerebral and intense. I wanted something that was gonna be fun and lighthearted. However, more recently, I've kind of made a U-turn and I'm revisiting some of the concepts that I initially had planned to share on YouTube. So with that being said, welcome. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for joining me. Grab something to drink, get something to write with, relax, and let's go ahead and start talking about these questions. So the first question is, why did I decide to start doing femininity videos and how did I learn to become feminine? This is a wonderful question. When I first started my YouTube channel 10 years ago, I wasn't really sure where I wanted to go in terms of the direction. At that point, that first video, I was still kind of debating. So the first video I did was like a wig review, very fun and playful. But the second video I did was a femininity video and it was doing really well. But like I said, I just didn't want to be doing teaching in that kind of way. I wanted to do more visual, more fun stuff. So I stopped doing that content. However, in terms of how did I learn how to become feminine, it's important for me to point out the fact that there are traits, okay? It's an energy. It's something that you embody. There are ways to look feminine, but in terms of femininity, the qualities of a feminine woman there are things that are actions. There are things that you can do. There are things that you can embody and you can sort of melt into whatever it is that you're already doing. And when it comes to femininity, it's important to know that you have an option. It's not like you're just feminine and that's the only energy that you embody. You can exude femininity and then exude masculinity when it's necessary. And it's important for you to know how to do it, which is why I'm here, and to empower you to do it because it's part of your God-given right. It's how God designed you. You know, he gave you these special powers that you didn't have to do anything to earn or get. They're already within you, but you just have to exercise it, and that's what I'm hoping to empower you to do. When it comes to my personal femininity, I've always found it really interesting because I feel that I'm very different in terms of how I channel my femininity. Every single day of my life, I get stopped by people, whether they're people who know me or who do not know me, and they ask me questions about the way that I look, the way that I act, and they want to know, how do I do this? <laughs> so it's something where I felt, you know what, it would be better for me to share this on a bigger platform. 
And I really think as women, we need to return back to our softer sides, our nurturing sides, our loving sides. We need to exhibit some of the softer traits in order to help us and in order to help the world. We're kind of moving away from that and a lot of women are truly embodying masculine traits and are proud of them. But on the flip side, it's killing them. And a lot of women feel trapped. They are unhappy with what's going on and have no idea how to fix it, how to change it, how to balance it. Now, in terms of learning some of these traits, most of it, I will say, came from my mom. Just growing up, you know, she kind of showed me, okay, this is what you need to do in terms of putting your outfit together, your appearance. From a very young age, she has really helped shape my paradigms, and that was one of them. I was able to learn some of these subconscious things that other people think when they see you and how to kind of get around some of that stuff. So I was taught from a very young age just kind of how to deal with people and how to put myself together in a way that allows me to be able to walk through doors. Now, as a young person, I did have feminine inspirations. I had celebrities that I admired and I felt that I connected with in different ways. And I honed in on certain traits that I admired about them and cultivated them within myself. I had a lot of women that I pulled from in different ways for different things. But in terms of femininity, in terms of how I carry myself and how people experience me, um, I really looked up to Megan Good. Not only is she so beautiful on the outside, she is so beautiful on the inside too. She is so sweet and I loved her sweetness, I loved her smile, I still do, I love her strength, I love her values and just the way that she carries herself. I was always very moved by her femininity, her kindness, her sex appeal, all of it resonated with me a lot as a teenager. So she for sure is one of my feminine um, icons, inspirations. And the last person I want to mention is Angelina Jolie. It goes without saying that she's stunning, absolutely beautiful, but also has a beautiful heart. I love her whole vibe. I love the fact that she has this kind of hypnotizing effect. When you watch her, you just kind of get pulled into her. She's very confident. I love the mystery behind her. She has this like very interesting sex appeal that I really love. She has a very big heart and she does a lot of activism. She's adopted children. She embodies certain traits and values that I hold for myself and I love her activism and all that she does for women. So she's someone that I definitely look up to as a feminine mentor and I always have since childhood. Am I still a minimalist? For those of you who don't know about minimalism, it's sort of a lifestyle that you live when you want to start having more gratitude for things that you own and you want to just decrease clutter and chaos in your life. And I was inspired a few years ago by a YouTuber named Ambrosia. She's absolutely wonderful and she lived a minimalist lifestyle and I loved looking at her videos and seeing how clean and pristine everything looked and it just looked peaceful. She is also very peaceful. You know, you can sense people's true auras just by watching them sometimes. And I've always felt that genuine spirit from her. And so I just wanted to be able to kind of get what she had in terms of that peace. I felt like I was missing it because my environment was such 
just a mess. <laughs> Too many items. So I considered myself a minimalist for about maybe three years. So no, I'm no longer a minimalist, but that's because I've been able to truly adopt the mentality and the attitude for gratitude to where I truly only buy things I love now. I only keep items I love now. And in addition to that, just not being in a space that was like thriving for me was stifling my creativity. I like my environment to just look like it's sprouting with plants and flowers and life. I like my environment to just feel good and creative. It helps with my creative energy. So not having that beauty around me because I was trying to live this lifestyle was actually starting to affect me in terms of my mood. And that's how I discovered that my environment does impact my mood. And I started curating my environments to always have plant life or beauty of some sort, some kind of fragrance or just something to make me feel uplifted. Um, but it doesn't have to look chaotic. The next question is about black men and their perception of women who wear their natural hair. The first thing I want to say is that no matter what hairstyle you have, confidence is going to be the most important thing that you wear. I think that a lot of men aren't able to really answer this question accurately because they don't necessarily always know. A lot of men don't really know when women are wearing their hair in its natural state or whether it's a wig that just looks like their hair in its natural state and so forth. A lot of men black men included, don't necessarily have that much of a preference. If they see a woman and she looks beautiful and she's confident, they're interested. I have seen many of men claim that they don't like certain things and then they'll meet someone who has that same trait but wears it well or is confident and they're perfectly fine with it. I remember when I first started my natural hair journey, I went and interviewed a bunch of different men and asked them about black women and their hair. And the responses were all the same. <laughs> Once they're approached and they're asked a question like that, their responses were all the same, that they like it. And I think at the end of the day, it's the entire package. I think if you present yourself in a way that you feel confident about your look, you're well-groomed, you look clean, your hair is clean, and you know you look happy, you will attract the right person for you. I don't think that you need to spend a lot of time worrying about what a black man does and doesn't like on you. I say you do what you want to do and you will attract the person that likes it. As long as you love it, as long as you truly love it internally and you're not doing it for anyone but yourself, that authenticity and that self-love, all of that will radiate from you and you'll attract the person that is meant for you. Ultimately, I don't think that you should have to mold yourself to fit what they prefer. You will find I will mention that, that men you. in general do prefer long hair on women, and that can be long and straight, long and curly, it doesn't really matter. That length just kind of signifies that she's healthy and just from the male perspective, some are more attracted to that the majority, but with anything, it all depends on you, on the situation, on so many different factors. Overall, like I said, just do what makes you feel comfortable in terms of how you feel when you wear your hair out. Hopefully you love your hair more than anything else, but know that you can 
go in between styles. You can wear wigs. You can wear your own hair. Have fun with your life. (laughs) Have fun with your hair. You don't have to do one thing just because someone says that you have to. The next question is, when is a good time to meet a man's family and when is the best time to move in together? I want to preface it by saying that my content is geared for women who are in the Western world. So if you live in another country or if you have a different culture, I would recommend that you take that into consideration because some things may not be culturally appropriate. So in terms of this question, let's take the first question. When is a good time to meet a man's family? Personally, I don't think it matters. You can meet a man's family right when you meet him, the first day you meet him, or six months in. If he's not planning to marry you, it doesn't really matter when you meet them. Nothing matters until he has made a full commitment to you. So you can meet his family, you can hang out with his family, but you should not get emotionally invested in him. That shouldn't really mean anything to you unless he's planning on marrying you. Up until that point, it doesn't really matter. So that's why I don't want you to put too much emphasis on that. Um, However, it is important to meet his family just to see, you know, where he comes from and you get to observe some interesting things. However, it doesn't really matter when that happens. Just remember, do not hold any emotional attachments until he's fully invested in you. Now, in terms of moving in together, my thoughts on this are a lot more concrete. Personally, I don't believe you should move in together until you're married or at least engaged with a wedding date. And the reason is when you're living with a man, you are more likely to be giving him husband privileges even though he's your boyfriend. And I know it may not sound like it's a big deal, but it is because this is valuable time out of your life that you are going to be giving to someone without the proper title for the duties and the responsibilities that you're going to be doing. And that is unfair to you. In addition to that, most men, after they live with you, you lose a lot of that mystery that you used to have. You shorten that time period of when he's chasing you because now you're living together, you're seeing him all the time. It's not exactly the same. It's different when you live with a person. Unfortunately, a lot of couples do move in together just to get accustomed to living together and and all of that. And a lot of people will say, well, I need to do this so I can know what their habits are. What if I can't live with them? And I, I understand that. But I do realize that people can also have those same experiences on vacations, on extended vacations, or just spending long, long periods of time together. You can figure out some of those things along the way. And it's normal to have that figuring it out phase. So don't run from that. That's part of marriage. Enjoy the time when you're really being pursued and courted and allow that to take whatever time it needs to take until he is ready to make that full commitment. How to be feminine when you are angry. This is a really good question and a very difficult question because it's easy to answer when you're not angry, right? (laughs) But the moment you get angry, you realize how difficult it really is to calm down from anger. Now, something I want to remind you of as a person, as a human, 
you are made up of your mind, your body, your spirits. Okay, it's all connected, your mind, body, and soul. But they are separate. They are separate entities. So your body is going to react to the anger, okay? Because it's an emotion and your body just reacts to things. It's your body's natural reaction to whatever's going on in your environment. So you have to acknowledge that your body is feeling a certain way. Maybe your hands are getting sweaty. Maybe you're shaking. Maybe your heart's beating really fast. Everyone has different symptoms of their anger, but you should know what yours are. So pay attention. When you get angry, you start paying attention to what your body is doing so you can kind of slow it down immediately and get back into your mind. When you feel yourself getting very angry, the best thing you can do is breathe. Take deep breaths in through your nose and out through your mouth. About five good, long, deep breaths. And that will help just reset your brain and just help you to calm down a little bit, okay? After you've done that and you're calm, I want you to then observe what's going on and really take it in now that you're in full control because one moment of anger can mess up everything you've worked for and that would be so unfortunate because it's not worth it. It's never worth it. They are never worth it. You can make yourself aware of any situation and take in the information without fully taking on the energy from it. It's important for you to be able to have that mental switch where you can kind of shut down your emotions, your body for a moment in order to process. You can excuse yourself in a moment of anger. You can say, you know what? I'll get back to you. I need a moment. If it's something that you're reading or something that you've got in the mail or something that you saw online, you can close out of it and give yourself that time to process. It's really important that you do that, that you change whatever you're doing in that moment. You don't have to stay in any conversation. You can walk away. You can say, you know what, let's talk about this later. And that will help you get more time to process. Okay, don't allow anyone to try to bully you into a conversation or force you to fight with them or or any of that. It's your decision. In terms of femininity, it's so important that you watch the tone of your voice. You don't need to yell or be abrasive or aggressive with your speech. It's actually so much more powerful when you can say something in a really soft tone without raising your voice and get the point across. And really, all you need to say is, you know what, we'll talk about this later and walk away. And that will help you to also remember that you're being calm. And when you use a really soft tone, especially when someone else is really irate, it calms them down too. So it's not just helpful for you, it's helpful to that person as well. But what I don't want you to do is fight fire with fire. Okay, when you live by the sword, you die by the sword. It's not helpful. Okay, it's better for you to just pull away and you're not weak. You're actually so strong when you don't fight back and you just excuse yourself and process and then make your moves. Now, once you've excused yourself, it is important at some point to be able to come back to that moment, whether you're doing it by talking to someone or journaling or just thinking about it or praying, I always say pray about it because prayer carries an authority to have direct access to God. Okay, you can ask him to help you with your anger. You can ask him to calm you down. You can ask God to do so much for you when you can't do it yourself. And that is so powerful because 
when it comes to these emotions like anger people get so enraged that they can't even see they kind of just go blind for a moment that's what anger can do so it's so important for you to focus on god and prayer and meditation meditation is wonderful for learning how to have more control over yourself okay and your thoughts and your actions one other thing you can do which is a very feminine thing to do is cry Crying is a very feminine expression of emotion. So if you're in a situation where you just feel emotionally overwhelmed and that's something that is coming to you, go ahead and cry. As long as you're not on the job, because I don't encourage crying at work, you have to stay professional. As long as you're not on the job, it's okay for you to cry. Crying is a good thing. And we'll talk more about crying later, but I do want you to know that you do have options when you're angry. You can resort to crying. It does get people to console you or at least kind of sometimes, not all people. Okay, this is not across the board, but for the average person, it causes them to take a step back. So that is another option. But ultimately, you are in control of your anger because being angry is a choice. You do not have to be angry. You can choose to process it in a different way. How to deal with emotional baggage from childhood? This is a really deep question, so I'm going to answer it the best that I can in this Q&A, but I do believe I'll do a segment on this specifically because it does need to be talked about a little bit more. The first thing I'd want you to do if you have any emotional baggage from childhood and you know that's where it came from is for you to get an understanding of what happened to you. It's very important that it's explained to you by your parents or by a psychologist or someone who knows what happened so that you're able to classify it and just kind of know what it was. So if you were younger and your mom was always telling you that you were ugly and you weren't going to be anything and you weren't smart, you weren't like your sister, all these things you were getting every single day, you may have someone who talks to you and tells you, you know what, you were dealing with verbal abuse. You were dealing with emotional abuse. At that point, you can then think about that and determine how you choose to process it. Did you catch that? How you want to process it, how you choose to internalize it. Don't allow people to tell you that just because this happened to you, you're going to end up like this. Just because that happened to you, you're going to develop these characteristics. That's not true. It's not always true. Sometimes it's true and sometimes it isn't. There's an overwhelming amount of research to show that two people, even siblings, can experience the same trauma and have completely different reactions. One may not even need counseling and the other might. It all depends on you and how you're built internally. That will determine how you internalize and manage anything that comes your way. So don't allow other people to tell you how you are going to feel. You get to decide that. That is your choice. But it is important for you to observe your life and look at your choices and just kind of think about how your childhood impacted some of those choices. But I also don't want you to get stuck there because if you get stuck there, it can turn into a lot of anger and resentment and those emotions are not helpful. 
So it's more important for you to just kind of figure out the root of certain things so that you can work on fixing them. How to deal with unhappiness. So one thing that is important to note as an adult, your life is a sum of the little itty bitty decisions that you make all throughout your day every day. Every single choice you make matters choice by choice by choice by choice. So it's really important for us to analyze the little choices we're making every day. If we just make sometimes one different choice in our day, we can see our lives completely change just by one different choice. So that's important to know. Now, are some things in life unfair? I mean, yes, absolutely, but it depends on how you see it. That is your decision. And the fastest way to overcome unhappiness is with gratitude. And gratitude is a powerful concept that I don't think we as women are tapping into enough. And it's hindering our femininity. It's important for us to not simply say thank you, but be grateful, have gratitude in our hearts for every single thing. And if we spent just a little bit of time focusing on the good, we would get more and more good and train our brains to look for the good. When you're truly grateful for something, you connect with it on an emotional level. Okay, you really feel the energy of whatever it is that you're grateful for. And it's important for you to do this every single day because gratitude is directly tied with joy and abundance. So that's where you begin, always with a thanks. I made it a habit to wake up and immediately give thanks. I give thanks for my life. I give thanks for whatever comes to my mind. I write it down and I thank God for it. Because it's so important to start my mind off in a positive state and let it go from there and not think about, oh, what do I have to do today and all the things that I was worried about from yesterday. But no, start off in a state of gratitude. Unfortunately, when we're experiencing a lot of unhappiness, it's connected to the fact that we're comparing ourselves to people or things and measuring ourselves against others. And that's what leads to unhappiness. Because truly, if you didn't know about certain things, then you couldn't want them. You would be satisfied with what you had. So the more you know, the more opportunities there are for you to feel unhappy. And so it's important for you to use that energy and focus on gratitude and not live in the energy of lack, okay? Because lack is relative. It all depends on who you're talking to. So don't allow your mind to take you there and stay there. And it's also important just in general as a woman walking this earth to sow good seeds, be kind to people, be nice to people, give to people, give compliments, give words, give encouragement, give information, okay? Don't always try and take things to the highest level if you don't have to. Do things on a human level. And it's also important for you to just search towards your purpose. Focus on your purpose. Why are you here? Focus on that. Because if you're spending time in your purpose and you're passionate and 
you're driven and focused, you won't have too much opportunity to focus on your unhappiness. And of course, look good. Look good when you don't feel good. Look better when you don't feel good. It'll make you feel good. Okay? It actually works. I read it a long time ago. I think I was a teenager. I read it from Kimora Lee Simmons. She had a book. I think it was called Fabulosity. And I remember reading that and thinking, oh, I'm going to try this. And I did. And it worked. And ever since that day, I always do that. Especially if I'm in like in a really down state, I'll try to wear a bright color like yellow, mustard. Try it out. It's very difficult to be upset when you have on a really bright color. All of these things matter. So look your best when you don't feel your best, as difficult as that is. In order for you to make any changes to your life, you're going to have to focus on repetition, doing new things and doing them over and over and over again until it really does create a new program in your brain. So you can overcome unhappiness by focusing on gratitude. How to deal with friends and family who are unhappy about you leveling up. Well, well, well. Surprise, surprise, surprise. (laughs) Listen, when you're living on a higher frequency, when you're living in a completely different world, you're focused, you have a goal, you're excited, and you have a vision that's different from those around you, you're going to deal with that, okay? You're in your own tunnel, and they may be upset when you change, But that's because when you change, it forces them to change. Okay, people don't like change. Change is difficult. And when you start changing, not only does it worry them because they start thinking about how things are changing. (laughs) On top of that, it also interrupts how they interact with you. So if they've known you to not care about your appearance and all of a sudden you're looking like a dime piece, well, they can't call you ugly anymore, can they? Or it also forces themselves to take a look in the mirror. If you say you're going to stop cursing or you're going to stop gossiping about people and they love doing that with you and you stop, they're going to be upset because they've lost their gossiping partner. And for some people, it forces them and for some people, it forces them to take a look in the mirror and reflect on themselves. And that is something that most people are running away from doing. You are brave. Every single one of you ladies who are watching this, you are brave. The fact that you want to take things and change them in your life is brave. And I commend you for that because that is the only way that you get to live your best life. And too many of us are living our lives in the passenger seat and they're allowing other people, society, their parents to drive the car. And we have to stop that. People aren't going to be able to understand everything that you want to do and everything that you're doing in your life because they're not on your frequency. And they might think that you're crazy, okay? But talk to anyone who's done the unthinkable. Talk to anyone who's successful. And they will tell you that you can do it. That's what you have to start doing sometimes is when you do have aspirations and things of that nature, you don't have to tell people. It's important for you to learn how to keep things to yourself. But when you do want to share, share with people who can understand your vision because they will reinforce what you're doing because they've already done it. They know it works. When you start hanging around different kinds of people, you'll start seeing the things that you want are going to start changing. You'll start seeing, oh, wow, it's possible to do that. It's possible to have that because your circle is completely different. 
And that's how you grow. That's how you can help your family and teach other people and get more people on the boat if you want to. That's how you do it, not by sticking with the people who are trying to pull you down. And I don't encourage that you harbor any hate or any ill feelings towards people who don't understand your vision. Ignorance will cause people to disregard your aspirations, okay? We all have ignorance towards things we've never accomplished before. But once you do it and you gain understanding, you you really get confident in it and you realize, like Bob Proctor says, you could have done it sooner. It's enlightenment. But it's a special gift that people have to access on their own. So people will not always understand you. And that's okay. It's honestly unfortunate that we operate like we have an endless amount of time here on earth because we don't. And we just live our lives very carefully sometimes without ever really pushing the limits, without ever really doing what we want to do because of our family and our friends and our colleagues and people who we care about what they think. When they'll be the same people who will turn around and say, that's my sister, that's my cousin, that's my best friend, that's my daughter, the lawyer, the model, they'll be the first people to want to brag about you. So don't worry about them. Stay focused. You can do it. So that sums it up, ladies. Thank you all so much for spending some time with me today and listening to this information. I really hope that it was helpful and let me know if there's something that you want to hear about in the future and I will see you on my next podcast. Have a wonderful week and we'll talk later. Peace, love, and light.